So as we're talking about um, becoming, tonight, uh, and, and you guys, if you saw it in the bulletin and you heard the announcement, we're talking about the, um, the rhythms of work and rest. And really, I'm probably not the best one to be teaching this, but we're going to go for it anyway, all right? So in our day-to-day life, you and I, we, we wake up at some point in the day, and, and throughout the day, we make decisions about what we're going to do. Those decisions are influenced by our thoughts, by um, uh, perhaps the Holy Spirit in us, um, perhaps sometimes the enemy throwing fiery darts at us. But whatever that day looks like, that day is made up of the results of our choices, of, of what we're choosing with what we're thinking, what, where we're letting our mind spin, where we're letting our body stay, what we choose to do. There's so many layers of things that that involves. That involves our, our brain and, and the psychological side of things. That involves our heart and the emotional side of things. Or I guess some people might say the emotions are in the gut. Uh, I think Western world feels like every, everything happens out of our brain, but, but we are a, a holistic body and there's, there's different ways that we're influenced. And so work and rest are just a part of that. But when you step back and you think about um, the ideas of work and rest and the rhythm that's there, that is a huge piece of what ends up being the core of what you and I experience every day? Are we being productive? Are we giving ourselves permission to not be productive? Are we getting something done? Are we taking care of somebody else? Are we getting our sleep or um, taking a walk? Or uh, you fill in the blank with the thing that, that, that refills and refuels you, that rest. So I'd love for you to think about rest not just in terms of when do I sleep? Do I get enough sleep at night? But think about rest in terms of how do I do things that feed my soul that allow me to live from a place of feeling filled up and overflowing rather than living from the place of always feeling depleted. Um, so there's a picture. It's not the semi-circle. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but years ago when my kids were little, and my kids now are 18, 17, and 13, and they're not little. Um, if you've seen my family recently, little is not a way to describe uh, my children anymore. But when they were little, we used to go to Red Robin. And at Red Robin at that time, I, I don't know how many of you would remember this, but they had plastic kids' cups, and they had little hash marks up the side. Okay, how many of the rest of you remember those kids' cups at Red Robin with the little hash marks up the side? And every few months, they would change their cups. But these always had really goofy, things like um, yum feeling good and just getting started and um, you know thirst quencher and then oh watch out and call for help and emergency you're out kind of a thing okay making sense what happened on those cups so sometimes when I think about uh, work and rest uh, this is my own personal picture okay um if we take our cup and we consider that rest is what fills us back up, okay? So we all need water. We know that our bodies need water to survive. So if you consider that rest is the thing that fills us back up to have something to give and something to work from, many of us drink down the cup all the way to, you know, the slurping sound, the very bottom of the cup, right? And we're down in this emergency realm, and then we get a little bit more, but we're really only to the call for help realm. 
and then we run out again and we're down in emergency and then we get a little bit more because we're dying and we only get to the call for help realm. And so we're doing life at the bottom of the cup. We're doing life in the crisis. We're doing life never feeling fully rested, never feeling fully filled up. What happens, you guys know this, a good server at a restaurant keeps your cup topped off. They don't, they don't like to hear you going on their watch. So a good server, when your cup gets down to about here, comes back and says, hey, can I fill it up? Some of them, when your cup gets to about here, come back and say, hey, can I fill it up? And you're like, okay, not quite so much. I don't, I don't need to hear quite so often. But this idea of, um, of topping off is what in my brain I think of it. So rather than living at the bottom of the cup in the call for help emergency realm and never really functioning at our best because we're always just functioning out of the dregs of what we have to offer, we're functioning up here in the feeling good, um, thirst quenching, getting, you know, getting good taste out of this thing. And we're doing life up in this realm where I have enough to give. I have margin in life, um, and I'm, I'm functioning out of the overflow of who God made me to be rather than functioning out of the dredges of who God made me to be. Does that make sense? And so what I want to talk with us about in our rhythms tonight is how do we live from that place of being topped off rather than living from that place of call for help, emergency, you are out of liquid. <laughs> right? So... One of the things about work and rest is that we know that we need rest uh, to be able to function, but work is something that God created us to do. Work is a gift that he gives us. I'm going to uh, start in Genesis and just um, walk us through the Bible and see what God has to say about work, because friends, work is not the enemy of rest, Work is not the enemy of rest. Work is a gift that we have been given for the calling that God has laid on our life. So in Genesis um, chapter 2 and actually, yeah, ch chapter 1 verse 28, we're going to get to chapter 2. After God has done all the creating and he's created men and women, he blessed them and he said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. He created the world. He gave Adam a task to name the animals. He created Eve because Adam needed her. <laughs> and then his first thing was, okay, here is the task that I created you for. Here is the purpose that you are here for. Fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. Rule the earth and subdue it. He gave them work. It was one of the first gifts that God gave to mankind. And before the fall, before the effect of sin, work was a perfect and a holy gift that we were created to do. It tells us in um, Colossians 3, uh, verse 23, and I'm going to flip there, and I didn't even mark it, so you're going to see me just kind of wander through the Bible tonight. There we go. 3, verse 23. See, I can see the big words, but not the little numbers. Okay. Uh, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. If you grew up with the King James, you memorized, uh, do your work heartily and as unto the Lord rather than for men, right? So God created us for work, 
the work that he's placed in our life to do, he invites us to do with a willing and a whole, our wholeheartedly as if we were working for him rather than for whoever it is that's our employer or our boss or our spouse or our children or a friend who needs us. The work that we're doing is unto the Lord. So we are created, we're given work as a gift. We are called to do that work as unto the Lord. And it, we're also told that it is what we were created for. Uh, Ephesians 1.10 Oh, those little numbers again, you guys. Okay. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Nope, that's not even the right, word, the right verse, but give me a second. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what it says. I can't find it. Um, maybe it's 210. Ha <laughs> there it is. I knew it was two. I knew it was in there somewhere. Uh, wrong Bible, by the way. The, not the one where I know where everything is on the pages. How, do any of you have a Bible where you know where everything is on the pages? Yeah, I do. This one isn't it. Okay. <laughs> For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. From the creation of the world, God had a plan for your life, and that plan included the work that he created you to do. So work isn't... Um, Work is something that, that comes out of who we are on the inside. One of the problems with work since the fall of man, since sin, is that work has become how we prove our worth. Work has become how we prove our value. Work has become a place where rather than simply the place that is the outflow of who God created us to be, it is the place where we are striving to earn the air that we breathe where we are striving to prove that we are worthy of the friendships or the respect or the you fill in the blank with what's important to you. The value is on of who we are becomes about the work that we do and we get it backwards. When our value is about the work that we do, we've lost sight of the fact that God created us with this work that flows out of who he created us to be. We're not earning our right in humanity. We are expressing our God-given design. Part of the reason why it's difficult to rest from our work is because we're trying to prove something. Our identity is wrapped up in what we do. For me, my identity gets wrapped up in people not being disappointed in me. My identity gets wrapped up in this fear of displeasing someone. And so I find that I get out of rhythm and out of balance with work because I won't stop because I'm afraid that somebody will be displeased. And I cross my own boundaries and I cross my own limits and I find that I'm living with no margins and I'm down there in the dregs of the cup going <sighs> because I'm afraid that people won't like me if they're unhappy or displeased or even if... And I'm realizing recently that it's not just if they're disappointed with me. That's not, that's not the only thing. I don't like it when people are disappointed with me. It's if they're disappointed at all. Now follow me here. If my fear is that the people that I love would be disappointed at all, and I'm trying to impact every area of their life so that they don't experience disappointment, okay, number one, that's just not healthy. And number two, it's exhausting. And number three, it's impossible. So when do you ever rest from your work if your work is impossible? Some of us, the reason we can't rest from our work is because we have the wrong goals. My goal, and, and I've known this for a few years and I'm, and I'm trying to get it all sorted out. Unfortunately, I think my goal really inside, I mean, I wouldn't really say it like this, but I think my goal has been that I could be God 
to the people that I love. And the crazy thing is I can't. I mean, I, I've tried, you guys. I really, really have to keep everybody happy and protected and take care of everything they need, and, and I just can't. And the reality is, duh, Jennifer, you can't. But if my work has the goal of being God, <laughs> has a God complex, thinking that I could accomplish what God could accomplish, I'm constantly exhausted. So part of the rhythm of work and rest is recognizing what is blocking me from entering rest. Not, not just did I take enough time to rest, not just did I get enough sleep last night, but in my soul, in my psychology, what is blocking me from getting rest? And if I think it's my job to keep anybody else from being disappointed, I will never be able to enter rest no matter how much sleep I get because I'm trying to do something that wasn't mine to do. Is this making sense? I don't think that's the only thing that blocks rest. That's just my thing that blocks rest. <laughs> um, what I'd love to do is just pause for a minute and give you a chance to just think about what's the thing that blocks you from entering rest? Not physically, do you not have enough time to sleep, but emotionally, mentally, do you have an idea? What's, what's the thing that would block you from getting rest because you can never rest because your life goal is impossible? following the question. I'm just going to give you a couple minutes. We don't even need music, Jared. I'm not going to keep it that long, but just a couple minutes to think through what blocks you from rest. So as we go through tonight, I want you to keep that thing in mind as we kind of unpack some other pieces of this rhythm and work and rest, okay? So the other, the flip side of the coin then, if work is created by God and designed to do, and yet we cannot do it all the time, and there is a season of rest, what is it that God tells us about rest? So we see in Genesis that after he created everything on the, in the six days, on the seventh day, he rested. Well, that's the one that we read in uh, Genesis chapter 2, in verses 2 and 3. It says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. And in Exodus, when God is giving them the Ten Commandments for this is the way that you should live, one of those commandments was keep this Sabbath. Keep taking rest. Keep a rhythm of your life of work six, rest one. Sabbath was something that was important that God said, do this, right? We see it again in Matthew chapter 11. I'm pretty sure that Matthew is after Amos. Thank you. Matthew 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So we see God choosing rest. We see God commanding rest. And then we see Jesus inviting us to rest and promising rest. And then the final passage on rest that I want to read to us is in Hebrews chapter 4, and it's, it's a fascinating passage because it's actually, well, let me just read it to you. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, uh, verse 18, to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? 
Okay, so God has told somebody, you will never enter my rest. Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? He's tying rest to disobedience. He's tying his promise of rest to our, um, to our listening to him and obeying him. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Whoa, all of a sudden this gets interesting. You and I are talking about work and rest. We're talking about not doing life quite so tired. We're talking about doing life from the top off place rather than the dregs, right? And all of a sudden we're looking at this verse that's talking about rest in terms of our faith. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. So let me poke at myself a little bit first. That whole idea of being afraid that people will be disappointed with me. And that, I, that one of my life goals is to try to keep the people around me pleased with me and pleased with their other circumstances. Okay? Somewhere in there is unbelief. Somewhere in there is the sin of unbelief. Because I am not trusting that God is who he says he is, that he cares about them, that he is the healer and the provider and the redeemer, that he will work everything that the enemy means for evil for good. I have unbelief if I think that I'm the one who has to do that on their behalf. God didn't ask that of me and he didn't ask that of you. So now I would ask you to think for just a second about that thing. Remember we paused and I said, what keeps you from entering rest? What blocks your rest? And can I just gently poke at you a little bit and say, is there a seed of unbelief in that? Is there a seed of God isn't enough and I have to be that in order for things to be okay? Is there a seed of being controlling? Is there a seed of, I don't know, I don't want to name your seed. I'm not trying to poke that hard. <laughs> I know mine. That unbelief, I know the form of my unbelief, and that is what, it, so we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest, but Hebrews 4 verse 1, God's promise of entering his rest still stands for you and I. God's promise of entering his rest still stands for this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to those who lost that rest by unbelief. So we know throughout all of the Bible that work is God's good plan and that rest is his invitation and his promise and his command. So now to the semicircle. How do these things work together? What does this look like? So on your paper, on your table, there are those papers. Some of you might have used them for scorekeeping. It's got the semicircle on it. And this picture is actually um, supposed to depict a pendulum, Okay. So if you think about a pendulum, you think of drop, you know, you got the, the fulcrum here and you drop the, the, the weight here and it, it's going to swing back and forth in an even arc. So that's the shape that we're looking at, right? We're looking at the pendulum of rest and work. So this picture is one that hopefully will serve us to kind of have a framework to talk about what does it look like to engage in work when we are called to work and yet engage in rest when we are called to rest and truly enter rest and how do we do that in light of our unbelief, in light of the things that would keep us from being able to enter into that rest. I'm reminded of um, the story, I think, Steve maybe even talked about it this last weekend where um, 
a father brought a son to Jesus and his son had been demon-possessed and the demon would throw him into fits. And, and, and Jesus said, he said, heal him if you can. And Jesus said, if I can, anything is possible for those who believe. And the father's words are some of my favorite words in scriptures. He says, I do believe. Help now my unbelief. I feel like that's my life, ladies. I do believe. Oh, help my unbelief. <laughs> right? And so if we know that our unbelief is one of the things that is blocking us from the rest, that is the thing that we know, like our souls are at that place of, like we're just longing. It's a dry sponge. It's, it's, it's being out. It's dry sand in the desert. It's longing for the water of God's spirit to pour into us in this rest. And yet our unbelief gets in the way. So how do we live in such a way that God can help our unbelief? That he can take our, our trust as much as we can and say, God, I do believe. And, and ladies, we do believe. This isn't an all or nothing. Either we believe or we don't believe. We live in this place where we do believe God is God and what he says. And yet there are places where unbelief still has a stronghold or a foothold in our life. In my life. So how do we do this? So the, one of the fascinating things when you think about um, Genesis and the, the, that the Sabbath is Sunday... And then the work week starts. The Sabbath is Sunday. You rest, and then the work week starts. Ladies, one of the keys to the rhythms here is that we work from a place of rest just as much as we rest from our work. I think some of us see rest as, when I'm tired, I need to stop. And I would challenge you to see rest as, I need regular rest whether I am tired or not so that I can work flowing out of my rest. It's that topping off principle. I'm going to rest because I want to live at the top of the glass. I don't want to live down in the emergency zone. Resting from our work is important. We do stop and rest from our work. But if that is our mindset on life is when I'm tired, I stop, we're living down in those dregs. We're living down in that I never have quite enough, but I'm just getting enough rest to be able to get me through the next day and enough rest to get me through the next meeting and enough rest to get me through the next phone call. Whether that rest is a physical stopping or that rest is a filling up with the Holy Spirit and an emotional and a spiritual refilling. So we work from our rest just as much as we need to rest from our work. In this excuse me, in this pendulum swing, there's this idea of balance. And I'm wrestling with myself at the moment because I'm supposed to teach you this shape, but there's a piece of the shape that I don't like. So I'm going to tell you that too. There's a place at which this breaks down because the pendulum actually doesn't just evenly tick-tock through our days, does it? I'm resting, and now I'm working, and now I'm resting, and now I'm working. And sometimes we can actually have a restful soul while we're working. Um, those, of you who, um, those of you who have been moms, there was a season of life when you never felt rested, ever. And yet you found a place to let your soul be at rest even though your body was always tired as you changed diapers and washed clothes and made meals and, and band -aid, put Band-Aids on scrapes. Your spirit was in a restful place. You were okay with God. You had those seasons where you were feeling filled up even though there wasn't a balance. If you've ever had a two-year-old, there's no balance of work and rest. That's not what we're talking about. Some of you have found that in your jobs. 
There's seasons, I, I know in my job, October is really, really, really busy. And almost every October, I have a meltdown with at least one friend or two and my husband. I'm like, I think I need to get into my counselor and I need to get on antidepressants and I need my anti-anxiety. And, and I'm falling apart. And then like three weeks later, it's November. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Nothing's wrong with me. It was just October. <laughs> October around here, for me, doesn't have this even rest and work balance. October is just work, 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 work. And yet, God says there's this promise of his rest. So sometimes it's not um, this balance issue as much as it is a, um, a perspective issue or a state of the heart um, issue. Could I live, could I be a non-anxious presence? Could I be a restful person even in October? Could I run into you in the lobby and say hi and engage with you from a soul rest, even if it was October? Does that make sense? And you know your October. My husband's a farmer. His October is June, July, and August. Um, for teachers, it's, it's a different month. But there are these seasons where it's just more, and then there are seasons when it's less. Those seasons are part of the rhythm. So the rhythm isn't always just daily and even tick-tock of the pendulum. But it's a good starting place for us to remember we can't just always be over here at work. There is a gravitational reality of the swing back that we've got to get back to rest at some point. I want to read to you from John chapter 15, and that's the other paper on your table. So if you want to ring, read along, um, that's the other small sheet. We're going to use this a couple times tonight. Right now you can just follow along with me, and then a little bit later I'm going to give us a little bit more time to interact with that passage. So I want to read to us, in light of this work and rest pendulum, what, what Jesus has to say about how we get our nourishment from him, how we get that filling back up from him. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and pur purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we've got this passage that's talking about remaining in Christ. Some... Uh, People who translate the Bible talk about abiding. Um, this word that means being present with God. If he is the vine and we are the branches, we are staying close. We are staying connected. We are staying in a place where we can get our nourishment from him. And so one of the things about this, um, this semicircle is that, <clears throat> excuse me, abiding or remaining is something that we are called to do in both swings. So when we swing towards rest, we are invited to remain in Christ, to be present with him and allow his spirit to fill us back up. And when we are working, we are invited to remain in Christ, to allow him to empower the work that we do. And in this abiding, in this remaining, that is part of our rest and our work, there are some stages. There's fruitfulness, and we see that in this passage, that when we abide in him, it says... Um, 
those who abide in me will bear much fruit. So our work will, will be productive, whether that's ministry, whether that's caring for your aging parent, whether that's caring for your children or your neighbor, where you are pouring out your work, there will be fruit if we've done it from this place of abiding or remaining. The other thing that we see in this rhythm, though, in this passage, it's not all of our favorite word, is pruning. Those places where God knows that branch needs to get cut back. That one needs to get cut off. That's not going to bear the kind of fruit that we want. The, the, the vine dresser prunes the, the fruit and the plant in order for it to bear more fruit. But pruning means cutting off parts. Those things in our life that are blocking our ability to enter into what God has called us to. Those places of unbelief. Those um, our compulsions or our addictions. The places where the enemy has a foothold through dishonesty or through gossip or through jealousy or bitterness or unforgiveness. Those places that God sees, this is impacting your fruitfulness. And so he's pruning. And the pruning and the fruitfulness are both a part of this rhythm of rest and work. And so sometimes we want to be in a season that is super productive. We want to be in that place where we can just go and God is calling us to the season of pruning. He's saying, this isn't the season of fruitfulness right now. This is the season of stepping back. And the, and the rest is actually producing uh, fruit that will remain, fruit that will be eternal, because you're allowing me to be present in the pruning. So as we think of the rhythms of work and rest, we recognize that... Um, I'm a farmer's wife, so don't, let, don't picture me on a tractor. I've never driven a tractor. I did ride along in a combine, but that was only when we were dating. And it was the only way to see him, was riding along in the combine. So don't picture me knowing a lot about the farm. But I do know this much. This, this, this rhythm that we're talking about with this plant, there's um, pruning, and then there's growth, and then there's bearing fruit, and then there's pruning again. Right? And it kind of lines up with our seasons a little bit. So if you've got winter, this is when it's quiet. This is when there isn't much happening. This is maybe even where we would say there's abiding. The plant is simply being present with itself. And in, in, our, in our metaphor, God is the vine and we are the branches. So we're being present with God. We're not seeing a lot of work. We're not seeing a lot of pruning. We're, we're, we're abiding. We're remaining in him in the mysterious way that that happens. Then winter, then you've got spring, and growth begins. We all love spring, don't we? When we start to see the changes and the transformations in the buds coming up, and the trees are starting to bloom, and the, the, it's starting to rain less, and the sun comes out a little bit more, and yeah, it's a little bit blustery, but we like spring. Well, in our life, after a long winter of quiet, when we start to see that growth, when we start to see transformation in an area where we've been stuck for a long time, when we start to see courage in an area where we've been afraid, when we start to see healing in an area where we've been wounded, we like spring. Spring is when growth is happening. And then you get to summer, and this is where that fruitfulness happens. The vines are just overflowing with fruit, and we're seeing, um, you know, I think, of, I think of blueberries and raspberries and grass seed, and it all comes at once, and it's all, the harvest all happens at once. And there's this season of intense fruitfulness, and that happens in our lives as well. 
when we see things come together and, and, and our marriage is in a place where we're actually serving together and, and serving each other and, and finding that, that this, is, this is summer for us. We're in a healthy place and we're impacting others around us in a healthy way. Or maybe our ministry is flourishing. We've been mentoring somebody and we're, we're seeing the fruit of that mentoring take place and we're finding that God is giving us wisdom and he's, he's giving us words when we need it and we're able, to, we're able to open our mouth and have impact for others and we're like, wow, this is a season of fruitfulness. I'm seeing the result of God's work in the winter flowing out of who he's made me to be. We love the season of fruitfulness, right? We love summer. When we get to fall, that's when the pruning happens. The plant has, has given off all of its fruit and there's been all these shoots that have gone up and some of you are gardeners and there's different timing. I know that right now, this is January, uh, there's workers out in the blueberries pruning back all the blueberry plants. So throughout the fall into some of the winter, um, the, the pruning is happening and then we're back to winter. That season of abiding, of waiting, of resting, of quiet, of dormant. Now, is there abiding happening in the spring and summer and fall? Absolutely. It, it's not like it's one or the other. But recognizing the rhythms of work and rest as a seasonal reality in our life. That it is okay when you are in a season that is more restful than others. It is okay when there's a season that is less productive. And it is okay when there's a season that is more productive. But one of the things we would want to ask ourselves is, how do we recognize the symptoms of overswinging? Okay? How do we recognize the symptoms of off the chart over here, I can't stop working, or the symptoms of off the chart over here, I, the way I say this in my life, I can't get off the couch. <laughs> I just have fallen in love with my couch, and I'm, just, I'm spending a lot of time here, and it's, it's beyond catching up on sleep. It's beyond having rest for my soul. It's, it's, it's bordering laziness. I'm, I'm encouraged by my friends not to speak mean words over myself, so I try not to call myself lazy. Um, but when we're overswinging, and we're reluctant to get back into our work, and so what are the symptoms of our overswinging? I know for me, sometimes the reason I get stuck over here in rest is fear. I'm afraid of failure. And so I don't lean back into the work that God has called me to because I'm afraid I won't do a good enough job at it. And so I kind of get in that quagmire of just, eh, tomorrow. Eh, another day. I'm not leaning back into the work that God called me for. What about you? What gets you stuck on the rest end of the pendulum, over swinging out there in that, in that space of, I just need a little bit more time to refill. But then over here, and we've talked about this a little bit, what gets us stuck in our work, you know? You know, interestingly, it's fear over here, too. <laughs> fear of disappointing people. Is it any surprise that that's what I was talking with my counselor about this week? Fear. <laughs> Where does that come from? What's the root of fear in my life? I know some of the answers for me, not all of them. I don't know the answers for you, but it's an important question to ask. If you recognize that both your work and your rest are motivated by fear, or... Some of us are achievers, and it's motivated by striving for success. Some of us are people pleasers, and it's motivated by keeping other people happy with us. I don't know what your motivation is, but we, we need to learn to watch for those symptoms of overswinging, where we, we get stuck in the work rut and we can't get out, or we get stuck in the rest rut and we can't get out. Because either one is not what God called us to. God called us to a rhythm 
of abiding and fruitfulness, of pruning and growth, of work and of rest. I've been off notes for about the last 15 minutes, so let me just catch back up here. Okay. So one of the questions that, um, that we have, and I'm going to get all that you need off of that because I'm going to erase this and we're going to talk about something else here for a minute, is what then if, if we know what work is, do we know what rest looks like for us? Because rest doesn't look the same for all people for all times. Uh, rest depends on all sorts of things. So one of the things that rest depends on is, um, uh, the question I'm looking at right now is how do we get rest then? How do we, how do we set up ourselves to top off rather than be down in the dregs? And one of those things is knowing ourselves well enough to know what is refilling and what is draining. So I remember a season in my life that I was paying more attention to this, and I was paying more attention to my calendar, and I was looking at the various things that I had in each week, and I was beginning to have a practice of trying to look at, that one is going to be draining. That's going to be hard, and it's going to take energy. And then I would look at this one, I'd say, that one is going to be filling. That one is something that we refuel, and, and, and it, it will be. So for me, um, I'm an extrovert. So anything that has to do with my friends or a party with a bunch of people or having a good conversation, those are refilling, okay? So starting to pay attention to how have I actually lined out my days, and if I could look at my calendar and see draining, 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 it wasn't just that I needed to get more sleep, ladies. It was that I needed to schedule things in that would be refilling. So for those of us that are extroverts, we often need to externally process, and we, we refuel externally. So uh, one of the ways you might look at this is that an extrovert is solar-powered. It needs something from outside itself shining on it uh, to, to refuel and, and to you know, get those solar panels back filled up with energy for what's coming. An introvert is one who refuels from an internal place, often by themselves. So being with people might be fine, but it's not where they refuel. An introvert is more like a rechargeable battery pack. It needs some time plugged in on a thing to get its juice back up, and it's an, it's an internal process. So if you are an introvert or an extrovert, your definition and description of rest might look way different. For me, lunch with a dear friend having spiritual conversation, that is rest. That refills my cup. I have a dear friend that that is not how she refills. She will have coffee with me. She will have the conversation with me. That is, that is friendship for her, but that is not refueling. Refueling for her is her Sabbath. It is her day by herself. Do not interrupt me. <laughs> Let me spend some time by myself. That is rest. Uh, so part of this rhythm, ladies, is learning ourselves and the people in our life. How do we love the people in our life? Well, to give them the space that they need to rest and to refuel, right? So there's the introvert-extrovert question. There's other just personality questions. Some people love to get out in nature, and it is totally restful for them to take a 40-mile bike ride. <laughs> that is not rest for me. <laughs> Besides being saddle sore, that is just not rest. Um, but I love hiking, I can take a five-mile hike through the woods, and I will come back refreshed. Maybe my legs are tired, but I am refreshed, and that is rest for me. Five-mile hikes are not rest for other people. Some people love to sit down with a movie and check out, and that is rest for them. I like to sit down with a movie, but, friends, it is not rest for me. 
it doesn't refuel me. It doesn't refill me. I don't get up from that movie feeling um, like my cup got more filled up. But if I go to my canvas and I paint for a while and don't, don't hear that being like there's some beautiful thing coming out of the canvas. Um, it's just color and line and texture for a while. Uh, that is a place of rest for me. So there are some things that, um, that are restful and other things that are actually just escape. Right? And for somebody it might be restful and for somebody else it's not restful. So um, our screens. I think a lot of times when we're tired, we pull out our screen, and I would challenge you to actually pay attention to your body and your soul and your spirit and your mind. Do you come out of screen time more energized with your cup filled up and feeling in that we're good to go phase, or do you come out of your screen time feeling just like you felt when you went in? I don't know for you. I know for me, a little bit of screen time can be great downtime, just brain off. A lot of screen time leaves me being way more drained than when I sat down. So being students of ourselves to know what is restful and what is not. And the final thing I want to talk about rest before I point you back to that scripture on your own is um, this idea of some of the rhythms that God put in place. So God put daily, weekly, and seasonal uh, rhythms of rest in our life. So daily, we have 24 hours, and I've heard that eight is a pretty good target for sleep. Is that about a third? Is that right? Is eight a third of 24? So daily, we were created to be sleeping for a third of the time. That is one of the rhythms that God placed in our lives as a natural reminder of our need for rest. And you and I both know that we can pull an all-nighter. Some people in emergency professional, they probably pull two or three days all-nighters. But nobody can do that for an extended period of time. In our humanity, nobody can just stay up 24 hours a day, days on end, forever. We can't. God didn't create us that way. He created us to need sleep. It's a natural reminder of the work and rest rhythm that God created us, for, created us for. And we already talked about the weekly rhythm of six and one. God created us to work six and rest one. And friends, we all know people in professions that go seven days a week for some amounts of time. But over the long haul, it is not healthy for our mind, for our body, for our soul, or our spirit to push through seven days a week. And I would challenge those of us who have a day job where we go to work and somebody else pays us, and then we have a home job where we come back and we manage the household and we take care of our family, that just because you're not at your day job where you have an employer and pay does not mean that you just actually got a day off. Work six and rest one. How could we carve out space in that rest one to actually have a day where, yeah, I get up and I'm going to make a meal either for myself or my family. There are things that I would count as work that I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it at a different pace. I'm going to change my perception of that day. I'm going to approach that day from a different place. My husband says it's a day where you have permission to not be productive. So yeah, I'm going to feed my family. That's work. Some of you might not think that's work. Cooking is work. Let's just be clear. But I don't have to do the baking for next week's potluck today. 
I have permission to not be productive today in the work six, rest one. And then the seasonal, we already talked about winter, spring, summer, and fall. And I'm sorry about whatever the popping is when I keep turning here. Um, We already talked about, you know, even in the the moon and the stars and daylight, right now our days are super short. I was driving at 3.30 today and it was almost, it was already almost dark because the storminess and the fact that it's winter. Could we take into our body and our soul the sense of permission to rest longer in these seasonal shifts and changes and recognize that in as much as there are physical seasons, there are emotional and spiritual seasons. And it may be winter outside, but summer in your life right now. It may be summer in six months, but winter in your life. Recognizing and giving yourself permission for those seasons of abiding, growing, fruitfulness, pruning, and recognizing that as those come and go, there's going to be different rhythms and ebbs and flows of work and rest. Okay, I want to quit talking uh, so that you can look at the scripture a little bit as we wrap up. So what I want to do is I want you to take the John 15, 1 through 5, and we're going to take some reflection time um, tonight. This is this is actually an act of worship. We're not singing, uh, but we are approaching God to appreciate his word, to declare the goodness of his word and the, um, the worthiness of his word to speak into our hearts in this area. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to read this uh, two or three times together. And in between each reading, um, I'm going to give you some time to process, just to, to sit with God, to listen, to think, to maybe write on the page if you want to, and just allow God to speak to you from his um, word. So as I read it the first time, the, the thing I'd love for you to be thinking about is, is would God highlight a word or a phrase to just kind of focus on? So if there's something as I'm reading along that just kind of jumps out at you, just pause there and, and be still with that word or phrase. Um, and then when we finish reading it, I'll, I'll tell you kind of how to, how to reflect on that word or phrase a bit. So, watching for a word or phrase, John 15, 1 through 5. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So as we're quiet here for a couple minutes, I would just invite you to continue looking, um, seeing if a word or phrase jumps out. And if one has, I would just invite you to sit with God with that and just ask him, God, what are you trying to tell me through this word or phrase? What are you showing me? What do you want me to see or to know uh, through this word or phrase? So we're going to be quiet for a couple minutes.
reflective attitude um, as I read it again, I would invite you to um, invite you to process two questions with God. The first one is to respond to God with what he's just telling you about this word or phrase. The second one is I invite you to think back to that thing at the very beginning. Remember when we paused and I said, what blocks you from getting rest? What, what blocks you from stopping work? Where is our unbelief? And keep that in your mind as I read again and respond to God about what he's showing you in this scripture and, and through, this, through this evening about your rhythms of work and rest. So I'm going to read again. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So in the next couple of minutes of quiet, I just invite you to respond to what God has been speaking to you. And you might want to do that by writing some things down. You might just want to do that quietly in your own mind and heart. As I read this one final time, I would invite you to offer, to offer this process as a prayer to God. Maybe we finish the evening where we started with intercession. To offer this scripture as a prayer, to offer it as a desire of your heart, to offer what it is that you've been journaling about, that response, to offer it to God as a request. But to, to turn this and, and your processing there at your table and in your heart into a prayer um, to your Father. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, 
and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Father, as we look at the way that you've designed us, you designed us to be people with a work and a purpose and a calling and a passion in life. You designed us with a desire to be productive and to see the, the results, the fruit of that productivity. And yet you also designed us with a need to get filled back up, to get filled back up with physical energy through sleep, through rest and relaxation, to get filled back up with spiritual vitality through time with you, through time in your presence, abiding and remaining in, in you. You designed us to, get, to need to get filled back up, even relationally through community. You designed us to need rest. And God, we're not very good at this balance sometimes. We get stuck in overdrive and we, we overswing onto the work side, God, or, or we get stuck in underdrive and we overswing onto the rest side and we, we lose our focus and, and, and we lose the balance. God, we wanna be women who abide in you, who stay close to the source of love and life and wholeness. And that is sometimes a mystery. So God, would you show us, each of us as individual women, how you've created us to find rest? And would you give us courage to lean into those choices to abide in you that we might have healthy rhythms of work and rest? We commit our ways to you, and it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.